Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this week, my guest is Portia Wood, who is the founding partner of Wood Legal Group, LLP. Welcome, Portia. Oh, thank you, Gary. It's so nice to be here and to be here with you today. Great. So tell us, what made you decide to get into law? Uh, well, it's a bit of a funny story, actually. I was a journalism major in college, and I was getting ready to do a big PR internship in New York, and I got rear-ended by a, a drunk driver. So I actually ended up in physical therapy and by happenstance, working in my cousin's law firm that was doing a police brutality case. And being a part of that trial really changed my mindset around the power of the law and the ability to, to really understand it. So I shifted my focus and, and went really to law school to be a voice for people that I, I identified as being voiceless in our society. Wow, that's, that's really kind what of my transformation was. So, so going from a jur- journalism major to, to law, so you really like to argue. Is that what you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'd say I like to argue. I, I, I like a healthy debate. There Absolutely. you go. There you go. Absolutely. Good, good. So now in law, now you're 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 focused more in um, estates and preserving uh, generational wealth and things like that. What made you decide to to go that route? Yeah, so I started out my career as a litigator. I was in in the criminal space. You know, I thought that that was where I was going to really leave my mark. And while working in that space, we saw a lot of these social movements really popping up around the country. Um, and I was, you know, an active legal observer in, in many of those movements um, from Ferguson to New York to D.C. And, and across the country. What I found is that there were a lot of people doing the work of criminal justice reform and not a lot of people looking at really the underlying economic issues that were uh, affecting the communities, particularly communities of color. And the more I researched, the more I realized that it's it's not just this argument around reparations and, and generations of, of inequities, but also a very real issue that's facing communities today, which is that preservation and protection of what we already have. 
And, you know, I, I, again, shifted focus sort of by happenstance to really start to delve into what those issues were and how to best solve them. Um, my mother, who's my partner, is was on charitable giving. She was a part of, you know, some charitable boards working with 100 millionaire and billionaire families that had donated and received the tax benefits of donations to these nonprofits. And so seeing really great estate planning work and me on sort of the other end seeing um, people losing, we decided to put those skill sets together and, and make a way for people who really hadn't had any exposure to this area so that we can protect ourselves. Right. So, you know, and, and I guess this kind of goes back into your um, creating a voice for those who don't have one um, in going through this. So what were some of the things that you were seeing um, individually talking about preserving the, the wealth and, and for, for generations and stuff? What were you seeing some of the mistakes that they were making? Well, the first mistake is, right, there's a, there's an information gap. 70% of African-Americans in this country right now today do not have any estate plan at all. So they have nothing in place for the preparation of what is an eventuality for right. all of us. Um, and so when we, when we look at that and then we continue to look at the numbers that show that only 13% of college-educated African-Americans are getting $10,000 or more to the next generation, um, even though, you know, people are making more money than ever, there is more wealth in the Black community today than has ever been before and more that can be passed, right, um, in, in this movement that's happening. And, and yet we are wholly unprepared for it. So some of the biggest issues is really just education. People don't know what they don't know. And right. estates and trusts is not one of those things that is taught anywhere along sort of the educational trajectory. It's often taught at home. Right? It's, right. it's something that's passed down. And so really breaking that silence has been important um, to help people know what they are facing so that they can yeah. make better decisions. Yeah, I, I find that, that um, not just the estate planning side of things, but even personal finance, mm -hmm. you know, are just not being taught in the schools and at least in the public schools. And because of that, there there is, I mean, you know, in, in, in the past, you know, it, our, you know, parents learned from their parents and things like that. So if nobody knew, you know, it never, it never really happened unless you got lucky to find somebody uh, that knew something about it and taught. Um, in the, um, I guess from the, from the educational side of it and trying to, you know, educate, what, what are you guys doing to try to do that, to bring things to, to the communities that, that just don't know? Yeah, I mean, we do webinars sort of every month, right? We right. do a basic one on sort of wills, trusts, and generational wealth funding. What does it look like? What is the process? Uh, and then we do one specifically for people with minor kids, because lots of times people don't know that that is a different consideration. Right. Planning for guardianship, planning for what happens to your kids' finances, planning for what happens if one spouse passes away and the other one remarries, you know, some of these perils that come in um, across the board, right? That's not, that's not on racial lines. That's across the board, right. but, but knowing what those things are, 
What is on racial lines is in the pandemic of 2020, right, more than 146,000 children were orphaned as a result of COVID-19 between April of 2020 and June of 2021. 65% of those children were in minority communities. And so when we think about just what that impact is for children losing their primary caregiver, for knowing that 70% of African-Americans don't have estate planning, that means that the courts are now actively involved in what's happening with these kids' lives, their finances, et cetera, in a way that you know eats away at whatever was there in court fees and attorney's fees and accounting fees, et cetera. And so really spreading this message is um, gonna be important. So we do a lot of webinars, we do podcasts and shows like this just to help raise awareness so that people know. And um, we mentor other attorneys, right? Because there just are not that many who are thinking about these issues through a, a cultural lens. And so making sure that there are people who are culturally competent to serve clientele across uh, racial and socioeconomic lines all around the country. It's, that's what we do to try to make a dent in what's happening here. Right. I mean, uh, and I think, you know, you would, you would obviously agree that in, in with the states and trust and everything like this and, and with our kids, we never want the courts to be the ones that are deciding these things because usually it doesn't work out to anybody's benefit. Right, absolutely. I've, there are very few times when the courts yeah. have actually been a great a great way to go, right? There, and and uh, that's the misconception. People always say to me, oh, I don't have an estate plan, I don't have enough. And I always have to remind people, everybody has an estate plan. Right. You just either have the plan that the state wrote for you, which is the court's plan, the laws of intestacy, or the airship process, depending on what state you're in, or you have a plan that you wrote for yourself that is specific right. to your family and to your goals. But nobody, nobody is without a plan. Right. Everybody has a plan. Um, it's just, is it the one that you want or is it the one that the state has defaulted for you? Right. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that it's important to, to point out to people that, you know, again, if you look at everything, so many people um, look at, okay, here's my plan of, you know, of schooling of what I'm going to do. Here's my plan of what I'm going to do for a job and, and things like that. Um, people do, a, a lot of people do financial planning. Um, but I think the two two areas that, that people uh, don't do enough planning in, and it's in both of our fields, is taxes and, and trust and estates. Um, so many people, and I hear this all the time, and I know you do, um, is I don't make enough to have to put together an estate or, or even a will. Um, can you talk yeah. on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the reality is, and this is such a common misconception, I know you know, right? But everybody over the age of 18 needs some form of an estate plan. We just don't all need the same estate plan because there are multiple components. One part of your estate plan is incapacity planning. And so we're talking about your powers of attorney for property, your, your, your powers of attorney for healthcare. If you're in a car accident or, you know, as many college students experience, if you have a, a drinking incident or if your ch child ends up in the hospital for any period of time, as their parent, you will be, there'll be a rude awakening when you walk in there and you try to pay their rent or get information from the yep. school administrators or you know, make medical decisions for, for your child who's over the age of 18 and find out that you cannot because they are legal adults. And if they haven't given you that authority, you have to go and ask for it from the court. 
that's all a part of your estate plan. It's how do you live with dignity and decide who gets to make those choices if, that, if you cannot make them for yourself. And that could be for a temporary reason of a car accident where you are in a hospital for an unknown period of time, but you're gonna get better or something like you know, heart attack or stroke or something that's a more permanent um, incapacity, right? Britney Spears comes to mind when we think about that, <laughs> where she, you know, she had this, uh, you know, mental breakdown, this very public mental breakdown, and the courts assigned her father to be her conservator over person and estate, which meant he decided, you know, if she could get married, whether or not she could have children again, how she works, how much money she could spend, how often she could see her kids, all of these, every aspect of her life was now governed by this person that the courts picked all because she didn't have a plan for herself. Those two things that we just talked about, property power of attorney um, and your healthcare documents have nothing to do with how much money you are. Right. Like how much money you have. It has everything to do with how old you are. If you are a legal adult, right? So emancipated minor or over the age of 18, you have to have a plan or a, a say, or you should at least, who gets to make decisions if you are in a position where you can't. COVID-19, right? right? The third piece, and that's the one that people always think is the all-encompassing for estate planning. But the third piece is your distribution plan. What happens after you're gone to anything you have, the clothes right. in your closet, the money in your bank account, your car, your watch, 401k, whatever it is, what happens to it? Where does it go? How does it get there? And this is where you see variety. This is where it might be a will, or it might be a trust, it might be some combination, it might be some business structures. It will depend on your asset levels. It will depend on your family structure and it will depend on your goals. But that's only one small part of a larger plan that everybody needs. And right, again, right. we just don't need the same one because our goals, our families and our asset levels are different, but we all need one. Right. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think many times, you know, when people think of, of estates and trusts, they think, okay, I'm old when I die. There's lots of times that th that happens sooner than sooner than you think. And, you know, if you have a business, you have, you know, any, any asset, what's going to happen with that? What's going to happen with my, with my children? You know, if, if, if mom and dad uh, were to pass away, or if you're a single parent and the single parent passes away, who's going to take responsibility for the kids? And then at that point, if if you do have any assets, do you really want that all going to your minor children? What are they going to do with it? I mean, well, they can't, right? Well, so now the exactly. court gets to decide, you know, who manages it on their behalf. So right. it's, it's or, a bit of a conundrum. Even, yeah, you're 19 years old and you're in college and something happens uh, to, to, to mom or dad who, who are a single parent. And then all the money that mom and dad go have go to a 19 year old. I'm sure there's going to be some bad decisions that are made there. Um, but there's absolutely. ways to prevent that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the thing is, too, is that it doesn't matter whether you have children like you could be a single person. And there, and there is a rise of single people who are opting not to get married, who are opting not to have kids, but have a ton of assets, right? A right. lot of disposable income. Um, what happens with all of that? And most people just sort of assume in their mind, oh, it'll go to my sibling or to go to this person, or right. they just don't think about it because they're like, what do I care? I'm gone. The reality is it's going to go somewhere. And so how does it get to those people? What 
what impact would that have? And when we talk about sort of culturally competent uh, representation, we also have to keep in mind that in the African-American community, as a result of policies like the war on drugs and um, the impact that that had, stop and frisk policing, et cetera, there's, there are a lot of people who have had contacts with the carceral system that means that they may have back child support from having been incarcerated even pre-trial, right? right? In many states, like a state like Maryland where people are in jail pre-trial at minimum 30 days before even a determination is made. In that 30 days, you've likely lost a job. You may have back child support. You may have lost your housing and had housing instability. You may have judgments against you. You may have debts or bankruptcies that have come in because of these different instabilities as a result of, of these sort of contacts with the carceral system. What happens if you are then left an inheritance or a third of an inheritance or a portion of a home? Maybe that one home is your only asset. What happens then? And so people kind of throw their hands up and they go, I don't necessarily care. But then when you leave something to someone who has those types of issues, now judgments uh, are being attached to those assets that are left. And what you thought was going to be there to help them is actually taken away and, and gone. And now you've lost the ability to leverage it. The other piece is there are a lot of people who are really receiving social services. Um, so you have people yeah. who are receiving mental health services or disability. Um, and if they receive too much money in an inheritance, they actually lose those government benefits. So you have to pass it to them in a supplemental needs trust so that they can preserve the benefits as well as reap the benefits of, of this family member who's passed away. It is so much bigger than just, I want this to go there. Right. And most people aren't um, aren't even aware that those are concerns or considerations. Yeah, I, I think what you just talked about with the um, the um, supplemental special needs trusts and things are are so important because there are people that um, you know you may somebody may be disabled and and again they're on social security. You leave them you know, a house because you want them to have a place to stay. And if that's not left to them properly, then you're hundred percent correct. Then that, you know, they're going to either lose their social security benefits that they have or what, whatever the, the value is of the property is going to be gone. Um, it, it, and that doesn't make any, I mean, you know, I, I think it's important for people to, to look at that. And, and I think that you know, again, we can keep going on and on. There's so many things that, that why right. it's so important to do this. But the biggest thing is you've got to put together a plan. Um, no matter if you, you think you have a lot or you don't, you have to put together a plan. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because the reality is whatever you have should go to the benefit of the people that you love or the institutions or charities that you want to support. It should not be redistributed, uh, redistributed to, to attorneys and, and court fees and other things, which is what's happening. I mean, in the United States on an annual basis, about $2 billion is lost in the probate process. Right. And about 1.25 billion of that plus is in attorney's fees alone across the country. And so when we look at that, it means that families are losing what they already own. You know, when we talk about the, the declining middle class and we talk about rising home prices and, and this continual and growing inequity between the classes in the United States, yes, there are a lot of problems, but we also need to look at some of the underlying issues of why is it that these assets are not making their way to the next generation as a leverage point. 
Um, there was a study that was done in 2017 that said by 2053, the median net worth for African-American families was set to hit zero if, if the African community, American community did nothing, which means if we continued down the same path of 70% plus not having any estate planning, if we continued down these other roads, we weren't going to make any advancements. And what we know is that in 2020, one in 555 African-Americans died as a result of this pandemic. And that was just in 2020. And so the timeline to this road to zero wealth has been severely accelerated. What people thought was 30 years from now right. is today, right? We, we, are in, we are on the precipice of the largest wealth transfer in the history of this country. And in the African-American community specifically, it is happening right now. And if people don't start making uh, really comprehensive plans for their individual family structures, they're gonna lose any gains that have been made. And already the numbers are terrible, right? right, right. Just looking at the numbers themselves, only 43% of African-American families own their own home. And if we take the, the report that just came out about you know, Wells Fargo and their refinance rates, the fact that they only have, Proved 47% of refinance applicants comparatively, right, in the midst of 2020, means that people haven't even been able to get access to lower interest rates or, or the equity in their homes. If they turn around and then lose those homes in probate, now they can never leverage them. Right, right. Right, and so. And, and I think that that's, you're right, and I, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think that the uh, the education process that, that you're doing is so important um, for them to, to understand. Um, and I think it's just, I think that people who don't, they don't know what they don't know. And they, and, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, and then, and then when we do get them to start learning, they're drinking out of a fire hose and they get so overwhelmed that they're just like, okay, yeah, I'm not even going to deal with this, or I'm going to put it off. And at that point, it's too late. Yeah, I mean, you know, right, especially when it's dealing with Texas, right, the moment you need something, it's too late to get it, right? right? The moment you need that estate plan to work for you, you can't go back and make it happen. You can't bring that person back to life or give them capacity again. You've got to do it while you are capable. Otherwise, you're stuck in the system that 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 just continues to churn. Um, you know, people people don't know what they don't know, and there's also a large um, there's a huge amount of mistrust yeah. in the community that I think is also important to address, and rightfully so. Right? Um, we look at the settlements that came out from many of the big banks just not that long ago, right? Uh, 2012, they're talking about hundreds of, of millions of dollars being paid out because of this subprime mortgage crisis that was being pushed on people. And much of that, those home buying seminars that were done through the churches were promoted as wealth building seminars. So it's not that people didn't want the information and actively seek it out and make changes based on that. Um, it's that people have been preyed on. Yeah, and yeah. they continue to be preyed on and they know that. And so even when people are trying to provide good information, you've got to overcome that part as well. And people get paralyzed. They're like, I, I know that I'm okay right now. And so I'm just going to keep being okay right now without really knowing that they're sort of walking off a cliff. Um, and so we, we have to deal with all of those things. 
and we have to keep them in mind and, and meet people where they are and try to break it down into digestible chunks um, without shoving it down their throats. Is, it's been my challenge. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think sometimes people, you know, because again, like, like I was saying that, you know, they feel like they're drinking out of a fire hose and we ask them for so much information um, to be able to help them put together this plan. And sometimes it becomes overwhelming and then that's what paralyzes them to, to do it. And it's just, we really have to help coach them through it and get them, you know, okay, come on, let's just one step at a time. As long as we keep moving forward, we're going to be okay. And it's when we stop and, and start going, you know, backpedaling is, is when we, uh, I'm going to say, don't get where we need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one step in front of the other, right? Always. Um, we find that typically, particularly with our clients who have never really heard this information before, um, we have a lot more meetings with them. We end up having to sit down and talk a lot more about, about goals, about intentions. Um, and that's across the board. That's not people who don't have a lot of money, right? We're, we, you know, we're right. talking about um, multimillionaires who have never heard this information before. And it's, you know, the historical context, and it's important for people to remember that it wasn't a system that was built for African-Americans. I mean, we, as we, the United States, inherited our system from Europe, um, but, but many African-Americans' ancestors were the property that was covered by estate plans. Right. And so, you know, when we, when we look at it from that context, it wasn't available for, for, for us for common knowledge, right? In the same way that it was for many other people. And as that information began to be passed down in certain communities, you know, think about you know, Greenwood um, or some of these other places where that information was being shared, there, there was an active um, assault against this community and that information. And so a lot of that was lost. Right. And, and it's hard to, to make that repair now, but we have to try because our country will look very different if this wealth transfer happens and, and we can't get people appropriately covered. I think, I think a lot of it also is just like, you know, our grandparents, they don't talk about finances. So they're not passing down that, hey, I do have something here. And they're not talking to, to, to their kids and grandkids and stuff about it. So not knowing that, that it's there. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's a surprise because they didn't do any planning. And probably a lot of that was because, like you said earlier, it was that, that they didn't trust anybody. And then so it, it, it goes down and then there's, I see that can be where there's a lot of lack of planning, um, you know, that happens and, and you're, you're right. If, if, if there's a way for us to um, kind of stop it now and get people educated to be able to understand that it doesn't make a difference, you know, if you got a dime or a million dollars, you need to put together, you know, a plan because it's not necessarily just your finances, but also your kids. Also your kids and you, well, right? You know, sure. the studies say 63% of people over the age of 65 are gonna need some form of long-term care before they pass away right. with women needing significantly longer care than men. Uh, right. Sorry, but you guys uh, it's true. tend to die quicker than we do. Right. But we're living longer 
but we're not living healthier. And incapacity planning, having someone in place to step up and not just one person, because if that person dies, now you're broken right. apart, but multiple people in place to that you trust to be able to handle your finances or make medical decisions or to assist you um, when those times come is going to be really important. And that's really just about, about autonomy, right? And how to live the rest of your life with dignity and on your own terms. Right. That's so much more than just money. It, right. it's, it's about you. Yeah. And a lot of people forget that part. They think, oh, some, it'll just get figured out somehow. I don't quite know how, right. but some, it's going to get figured out. And the reality is, is that the people who are left behind to try to pick up those pieces or to be helpful are stuck in a situation um, and trapped in a court process that can take them out of the workforce for years, right. that can be incredibly expensive because they have to front those funds in many instances, um, or that they could just decline. And, and people do, unfortunately, because they cannot afford to step away uh, from their families to go through this process. And so even though there were people that would do it because of how complicated it is and how, how tedious, they just decline. And then people are left to sort of the state services, which are significantly yeah. underfunded in many places. Uh, and so then, you know, a lack of a plan means that there's no one to care for you. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, obviously medical directives and things like that that are, are important. So again, like you're saying, talking about you, you know, doing that kind of things, but then also as you do this, and it's great that you made the plan, but you got to keep it updated because, you know, it could have been that, you know, my sister who used to live in the town next to me was my, you know, my person that was going to be my caregiver. Well, now she doesn't live there anymore. And she lives, you know, how many of five states away type thing. And it's going to be difficult for that person to, to do that. So you need to have someone else. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, we so I have a, a client who is 99 years old. She has outlived everybody in her right. life. And she is still with it. Um, you know, she definitely needs some assistance physically, but I mean, her mind is sharp. She's cracking jokes. She's, she's very aware. And she had done a state an estate plan 20, 25 years ago. And the only person that she had listed has predeceased her. Yeah. The only person she had listed as a beneficiary predeceased her, not because she expected to outlive them, right? right? But that's just life. You never know what's going to happen. And thankfully, she has enough capacity for us to make these updates for her, right? Right. And to bring her plan current. But if she did not have capacity, that plan would, would effectively be null and void. I mean, someone would have to go to the courts and ask for permission and then try to get that amended. Um, if at all possible, because she, did, she only named one person and that one right. person is gone. And so keeping things updated, we always say every three years, you're probably going to want to update your powers of attorney right. uh, for healthcare and for property. Really no more than five. If it's five years, you definitely got to do it. Yeah. Um, you should be reviewing your plan every year. And I don't mean like you've got to sit down with the attorneys and go through the whole package, but you know, we have a checklist. It's like, have you bought right. any property recently? Have you had any new babies? Has anybody passed away? Has anyone gotten in, become incapacitated? Have your assets increased significantly or decreased significantly? Um, you know, 
changes in the laws, you know, we send out bad information, but any of these things happen, if there's a check, yes, maybe we should sit down and make sure your plan still works for you. Every three years, you know, we, we tell people they got to come back in. We tell our clients, come in, let's sit down. We know something has changed yeah. because life changes, right? Right. Let's talk about it. Let's just review and make sure everything is still on the same track for what the initial plan was. If it's all on the same track, great. There's not much to do, right? If it's not, then let's make sure we're building on the plan that we've created. Yeah. I always try to tell, tell our clients that, you know, uh, to me, look at tax time kind of as your as your financial checkup. Hopefully, you're going and getting your 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 medical physical every year, um, at least once a year. But you should be doing the same thing here. And in that case, looking at you know, like you said, you you've given them a checklist. Have them look at that checklist. Have them look at who they have listed as beneficiaries and things like that to make sure that that's who you still want to have as beneficiary. Um, if there are any life changes that happen in between, then you take care of that then. But then, you know, just make sure that you that you look at this on a, at least an annual basis. That's for sure. It's important to remember that the same people that we liked and trusted 10 years ago may not be the people we like and trust today. <laughs> um, you know, life changes and, right. and, that, and that's okay. Things happen. Um, if you've got minor kids and you've named a couple, which we don't recommend, yep. but if you've named a couple, they did they get divorced? Did they get a bad diagnosis? Is something changed in their circumstances where they're not a good guardian fit for you anymore? Or they moved to the other kids. side of the country. Or they moved to the other side of the country. I mean, technically your guardians can be anywhere in right. the world. Exactly. But, you know, do they still fit what your overall goal is? Right. And same thing with, with kids and, and beneficiaries. You know, when our kids are small, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I just want my kids to get it evenly. Let's just, you know, divide it up. But as they get older, you start to learn more about who they are as yeah. people. And you may start to say, oh, they're really responsible. I think they could do a great job with this. You know, you, you, you mentor them, you coach them, or you'd be like, they are so reckless. They like to drive super fast. They, they go out and make really terrible decisions. And I don't think that they should have right. access to this money. And that's going to change, right? Because who they are as people, or I don't like their spouse. Right. Or perhaps they just are serial uh, monogamous who continue to get married over and over and over I, and over again. I mean, people's yeah, lives right. are lives, and we have to sort of monitor our planning uh, accordingly. It's not a right. one and done. Right. I agree 100%. All right. We've covered a lot of stuff. What have I not asked you that you wish I had? Oh gosh. Um, I know that could know, go on forever too. <laughs> it could go on forever. You know, I, I, you can't give a lawyer a microphone, man, especially not a former <laughs> litigator. <laughs> we will just keep talking and talking. Um, no, but I would say you know, finding people you're comfortable with, estate planning, CPAs, your wealth building team, your financial advisors, your real estate agent, these should be long-term relationships. So find people that you trust. And that can advise you, that can take you down that. So, so one of the things that uh, maybe I wish you would ask me is like, what is, what is your wealth building team? And what is the team that everybody should have? And, you know, it's about five or six different people and sort of expands from there, but your mortgage broker, right? right? Especially at this point where we just saw historic uh, interest rate lows, that would have been a great time for someone to call you and say, Hey, 
guess what? The, the interest rates just got reduced. I can get you in and get you on a streamlined refinance and reduce your payment because that builds wealth, right? You right. don't have to make more money. You just have to save Correct. more money. Correct. Same thing with your CPA who can come in and say, let's do a long-term tax strategy plan for you. What's the year look like? What's the next 10 years look like? How do we prepare for that? Because again, you don't have to go out and make more money. You just have to save more money. Right. And taxes is almost everybody's largest expense. And so if you can minimize that, you've already built more wealth within your family and your community, right? Your estate planning attorney, how do I keep and minimize the expenses on, on just living, on life, on maintaining my dignity, my autonomy, and making sure that my family is supported? That's going to be your estate planning attorney. And that's a long-term relationship, as we just mentioned, right? Because right. of all these um, evolutions. Your realtor who can talk to you about trends. If somebody says your, your area is up 20, 30, 40% um, from prices from the time that you bought, that might be a great time to go get a HELOC or a home equity line of credit or something else that you can then leverage that asset. But if you're not paying attention to the trends and the things that are happening in your area because you're busy doing whatever your zone right. of genius is, you've got to have a team around you that is paying attention so that they can pro provide their zone of genius to you to build you up. And it's less expensive than people think to have that. And yeah, there is a team for every level. Right. So and, and, and to add to that, it's also is to let your team talk. Because I find so many times people may have this team, but everybody's in, a, in their own silo and they don't get to talk. And it's like, because there, there are so many things that I try to tell people. It's like, look, I need to talk to your estate attorney because there's things that are tax related that maybe together we can put together a good strategy to help you. And then, you know, the financial advisor being involved with it. Um, you know, like you have with your mom with the charitable giving and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of tax strategies that can help. And, you know, from the, you know, the financial planning side, tax side, estate planning side that are really important. Um, so I totally agree with you. And just biggest thing is let them talk. Absolutely. I mean, you can't have a team. Right. where each person is operating over here. I mean, like maybe a golf team, but even then right. everybody's exactly. working together. You know what I mean? Uh, if, you want, if you've got your starting five and you're out there, you guys need to be communicating. Yep. You got to yep. know when the passes are coming. You got to know what plays you're running. And, and, and that's how you succeed, right? right. Great, 100%. Yeah. So Portia, if people like what they hear and they want to talk to you, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, uh, we are available uh, online. So we're woodlegalgroup.com, uh, woodlegalgroup on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, on, across social media, we are woodlegalgroup. Um, we do, like I said, we do webinars. The next ones are coming up in April. We also have strategy sessions. So if people want to sit down and just sort of talk with me about their individual circumstances, even though I am limited by my licensing to where I can help people, uh, we can still outline what a plan might look like for when they go to talk to the attorney in their jurisdiction. Um, because oftentimes there are minutia in individual yep. family circumstances that not everybody is thinking about. And so sometimes that can be really helpful as well. Great, great. I appreciate uh, the talk today. This has been a lot of good information. I really appreciate it. Oh, Gary, thank you so much for having me. This, is, this has been so much fun. It's been wonderful. So thank you. Great. Thank you. 
So this week, our guest has been Portia Wood, who's a founding partner with Wood Legal Group, LLP. We will see you guys next week. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>